Hallelujah. Faithful God. I'll give you those, Pastor Chris. Are you happy? If you're not, you will be. Because God has a plan for hope and a future for you. And he knows how to help you. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Well, I've been um, doing a bit of a series on the wilderness. And I want to just continue a little bit on that today. I had the joy of um, finishing my book up this week. Hallelujah. Put it to bed on Tuesday night and um, woke up on Wednesday and thought, what do I do now? <laughs> no, I've got lots to do, trust me. Uh, the kids at our house know if we, we don't say, they don't say I'm bored because Tom always has something for them to do. But, uh, you know, we've been talking about the wilderness and uh, my heart's desire is that we wouldn't waste anything that we're walking through because God promises us that he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is really good news. Hallelujah. And the, the most precious thing we can learn in the wilderness seasons is to be loved and to love. You know, the Bible says that this, this is the highest command, that, that the one thing that, that the Lord talks to us about that he says that we need to do is love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Hallelujah. And in that wilderness season, God wants to lavish love on you. He wants to teach you how to encourage yourself in the Lord, how to be loved, how to receive the love of God. You know, Paul prays in Ephesians that we'd be strengthened with might in our inner being so that we'd be able to comprehend this love. What that's actually saying is that you need supernatural help to be able to handle how much love God wants to pour out on you. You know, it's not fair, the love that God wants to give us. It's so lavish and it's so rich and it's so thick that he wants to pour it out to the place where you go, that's enough, can't handle it anymore. So that you actually say, in my physical strength I, and emotional strength, I can't handle how much goodness you are trying to pour out. You see, in our Western society or in our hu human culture, it doesn't seem fair for, for God to be coming to us all the time and saying, you're beautiful, I love you, and lavishing love on us. We, I remember I would often spend time going, come on, God, I can handle it. Tell me what I need to fix. Sort me out. I'm open. And he'd come and he'd say, I love you. I'd be like, yeah, I know. Everybody knows that. Now, come on. I'm really serious. Talk to me, God. But I didn't know that that's, that's the thing I needed to hear more than anything else. You see, he wants to remind us of what we look like. When you've become born again, that is when you've surrendered your life to Christ and said, Lord, come into my life. Make me a new creation. I surrender my life. I exchange my old life for your new life. Your new life, the Bible says, is it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And he's daily wanting to remind you of what you look like. He says, if you're not doing the works of Jesus, and if you're not displaying all the virtues of God, you can see that in 2 Peter chapter 1 or in James chapter 1. If you're not a doer of the word, it's because you're like someone that's looked in the mirror and then walked away and forgotten what you look like. He, said, he doesn't say if you're not doing the word, if you're not living like Jesus, if you're not displaying all the character of God, you should be ashamed of yourself and try harder. 
He doesn't say, well, that's pretty pathetic. I can't trust you. I'm not going to anoint you. Or he doesn't say, well, you know, I'm just going to have to find someone else. He says, if you are not displaying all the nature of God, doing the works of Jesus, it's because you've forgotten what you look like. And then he tells us in Corinthians that we all with unveiled faces behold us in a mirror. And we're being transformed as we behold his glory in the mirror. From glory to glory. The more we look at him, the more we wake wake up and recognize this is who I am. And so he's wanting to tell you what you look like. You know, as a new believer, you you are not defined by how you've behaved or what you've done or how well you've gone this week. You are defined by who he is. And he is love. And love is patient, it's kind, it's unselfish, it it suffers long, it keeps no record of wrongs. It's amazing. God is amazing. And therefore, when he looks at you, having had faith in the sacrifice of Jesus, having been born again, he doesn't look at your performance. He looks at Christ's performance. Hallelujah. He looks at you and says, as he is, so are you in this world. You are beautiful. You are kind. You are unselfish. You are patient. And it gets a bit thick and it gets a bit rich sometimes when you know full well, I haven't been behaving very patiently. I haven't been really behaving very unselfishly. And he comes and goes, you are unselfish. You are so selfless. You are kind. And you know, You actually need supernatural help to be able to handle that level of love. Because otherwise you just reject it with your mind and you go on living in the limited deception the enemy wants to put you in. The enemy wants you to live in a box that says, I'm, I'm constricted by my ability to please God. But God wants you to wake up and recognize it's for freedom that he set you free. That is no longer your definition. You are now defined by his very nature and character. And all he's doing is saying, come on, lift up your head and let me show you. Let me lavish love on you and tell you the truth about who you are. He Tell you how much I love you. Tell you how much my nature is now in you. This is who you are. So that as you believe, as you think, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, So is he. He wants you to wake up and realize and actually have faith in the truth. The just shall live by faith. You don't live by accident. You live by faith, deliberately believing every day, casting down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. So every thought that doesn't line up with who he is, every thought about yourself that doesn't line up with who he is needs to be taken captive, needs to be cast down, and you need to, again, look up in the mirror, check yourself in the mirror, and remind yourself of what you look like. And so in that place of receiving love and giving it away, it's in the wilderness that we actually get the opportunity to really have that strengthened, that truth. Because, you know, I I love to be loved, I, we were at a, a birthday party yesterday, and there, um, Debbie Shaw was there, and she was just she was just playing with my hair as she talks to me because that's the sort of person she is. Just, and I purr like a kitten when people do that. It's like I I love affection, but you know what? In the wilderness times, in those seasons when when you are feeling like you're really going through a difficult time, or you're feeling alone. God wants to show you that he is an affectionate God. He is an affectionate God. In fact, he likes to show public displays of affection if you're open to it. 
If you'll just open up your heart and say, yes, God, I'll have one right here. Thank you very much. Come and kiss me. Kiss me better, Jesus. You know, he will, and he, he delights to show himself strong, and he wants you to be able to learn how to drink deeply, to, to be able to be loved by him to the point that he satisfies you and you're no longer seeking it from somebody else. Hallelujah. I want to share with you today um, from the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 4. And, you know, if you know the story of Jonah... You'll know that the prophet Jonah was called to go to Nineveh and um, preach to the Ninevites. And Jonah was really not happy about this because they were, the the Assyrians, uh, the Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, they were very awful to Israel. They had done some really bad things. Think ISIS bad stuff. You know, that it, these were the enemy of Israel. It wasn't just a political kerfuffle where they had had consular stuff going on. This had been really bad. The, the Assyrians had, had slaughtered the Israelites, had, they'd oppressed them, done terrible things. And now God says, I want you to go, Jonah, and I want you to go and preach to the Ninevites. And Jonah says, no way, I'm not going. I don't want to go because he knew that if he went, God was a good God and, and they might repent. And then if they repented, they wouldn't get judged. And so he's like, you have got the wrong person. I don't want to go. So eventually he realizes he has to go. So he gets on a boat to, he, to no, he actually, he decides I'll run away from God. Well, that, that doesn't really work because God owns all the heavens and the earth. And you could run away to Siberia. If you've ever been in depression, you know, sometimes a depressed person, their, their thoughts are, how could I go away? Where could I go? Like the furthest country away just to get away. But when you're in depression, no matter where you go, the depression will go with you. And, uh, and so Jonah was trying to get away, got on a boat. Very big storm came up and their lives were being threatened. And he, think, he said, I think this has got something to do with me. He said, throw me overboard. And uh, so they did, and a big fish swallowed him up. And he had three days in the belly of this fish to think about it as God began to to deal with him. Then the fish spat him up. This is a short version of the book. You can read it. It's quite riveting. Spat him up, and he was like, all right, all right, I'm ready. I'll go and talk to them. He gets out there and he preaches to the Ninevites. And sure enough, the Ninevites repent in sackcloth and ashes. They go, oh, we've done terrible things. We shouldn't have done this. And, and they're repenting before God. And Jonah gets really annoyed. So we're going to pick it up here in chapter 4. Hallelujah. It greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and the one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better than life. The Lord said, Do you have a good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. 
There he made a shelter for himself and he sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen to the city. So he's like, maybe my tantrums turned his mind. You know, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to watch until you destroy that city. And so while he's sitting there, angry, watching to see whether God's actually going to pour out rocks on them or not, um, the Lord appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head and deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next morning and it attacked the plant and it withered. And Jonah's still sitting there going, when are they going to pour out ashes and destroy this city? And when the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. And then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals? <sighs> Our wonderful Jesus. You know, God wants to teach us in our trials and in our wilderness seasons, what it is to know him, know his character. See, Jonah knew about God, that God was very compassionate. He was kind and he was really unhappy about the reality that you're going to just forgive him and it's not fair. But, you know, he, we need to learn, we need to understand that the love of God he, that he wants to pour out into our hearts is so rich that he wants it to, to well up into love for other people. Love your neighbor as yourself. When they asked, who's our neighbor? Jesus told the story about the good Samaritan and the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. They were against each other. And God was telling them, I want you to be able to love your enemies. And you think, how can that happen? Well, you need supernatural help. And he delights to give it to you. God wants to give us a grace that will cause us to love uh, in a supernatural way. Not just love the people who love us, but love everybody. And, you know, I was thinking about this. And I remember when Tom and I were first married and we moved into our first home, I, I planted a rose garden outside the kitchen window. And I loved roses and um, I think for the next couple of houses we were in I would always plant a rose garden I don't really have time to take care of roses anymore but I'd go out there and I'd be pruning them and I'd be watching them and I remember when I planted my very first red Mr. Lincoln rose and it smells so good so I planted this rose bush and I watched the little bud form and I'd watch it every day through the kitchen window and every day to get get a bit bigger and then it'd start to open up and then it became full bloom and in the sun the scent was incredible and I got so much pleasure out of that first rose it was ah so beautiful does it do we have any rose lovers it's like ah but I had so much more pleasure over it because I had watched it grow. I'd planted it. I'd watched it grow. And this is what the Lord says about us. He says, I've watched you grow. I've watched these ones that you look at and you judge, these ones who annoy you. He looks at them very differently. 
He says, I watched them grow. I've been, I've been weeping over them. My desire is that none should perish, but that they would all have everlasting life. I care much more about them than you could possibly understand because I've known them from before they were ever born. The love that God has for us is so rich and it's so lavish. So in Matthew 22, Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, verse 37, and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You know, God so delights to show us in the times of difficulty, in the times of, of, um, of trial, what it is to go and receive his love, to be loved by him. So he wants to provoke in us a response to love him back. He says that we love because he first loved us. He doesn't ask you to give anything he hasn't first given you. Hallelujah. So he comes and he makes his face shine on you. And he he looks at you until you can't handle it anymore and you give up and you just start to receive it. He lavishes love on you. He tells you the truth about who you are when you've been born again, that you are the beloved of God, that you're the apple of his eye, that you are his favorite. You know that's true. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that you've been seated with him in heavenly places. Do you know where he's seated? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, the place where everyone was arguing about who got to sit there. You know who got to sit there? Me. And you. Because now you've been raised up to sit at the right hand of the Father in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. Like it is the most favored place in heaven. That's a little bit more exciting than you're reacting, actually. Hallelujah. So his attitude towards you is not tolerance. His attitude towards you is absolute delight. Like when you wake up in the morning, he's like, oh, hello. Did you get that dream I gave you last night? Would you like me to explain it to you? I love you. I'm so happy to see you. And if we, if we ignore it and roll out of bed, he doesn't get offended and go, she didn't listen to me. He still stands there going, maybe she'll pay me some attention. Oh, I want to tell her something lovely. And then if you ignore him for a whole week and you finally come on a Sunday and you start to sing, here I am to worship, and you feel a bit bad because you really haven't been worshiping very much. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, hypocrite. (laughs) He doesn't look at you and go, that the way you're going to treat me after you've ignored me all week? He looks at you and he says, I'm so happy you're here. I've been waiting here. I am to love you. I want to cuddle you. I want to kiss you. I want to lavish my love on you. Hey, are you ready? You need to pray for some help because you are not going to be able to handle this. And he patiently waits, this incredible, patient God. I've been overwhelmed by the patience of God all my life. I I remember as I used to walk up and down this street outside our church when I was a teenager, walking up to QUT to go and study. And I would sing. I'd make up songs to the Lord as I'd walk up and down. I'd save my my money because my dad would give me bus fare and I could do whatever I liked with it. So I'd catch a train to Roma Street and walk up the hill so I could save the bus fare. And I'd walk, 
and I'd, um, and I'd sing songs. So all of my songs were like to a walking pace. I'd make up songs as I went, went along. But I remember one of the first songs I ever wrote was about his patience because I was still stunned. Like, why would you be so patient? That's astounding how patient you are with me, God. It's so amazing. Your patience amazes me. But he is more patient than I could ever have understood because he sits there waiting. And every time I come to him, he's happy to see me. It's not fair. Then the love that he has for our enemies isn't fair either. The love that he has for the people that we look and think, oh, they're just such attention seekers or they're this or that. God looks at them and says, no, you don't understand. I've been watching them from before they were born. I look at some of our people in church and I see where you've come from and where you are now. And my heart just wells with joy. But it's only a little taste. Me as a spiritual mom gets a little taste of the, jo- of the great big joy that God has over you. He doesn't look at where you're not. He looks at where you've come and he looks at you've got faith in him. And that, that's what he says, that faith pleases me. And if you think, well, I don't feel like a spiritual giant, he's like, I'm just trying to help you realize who you actually are. You have the faith of Christ. Now, even if your heart condemns you, I'm greater than your heart. So he is, he's looking for us to open up our hearts wide and say, come in, Lord, love me. That's why I began to pray from Ephesians 3 that the Lord would teach me, help me to know this love that passes knowledge because I was so insecure And I needed perfect love to cast out the fear that I had. I was bound by so many fears. But God, so I prayed and I prayed believing that he would actually do that for me. From Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, I'd pray, Lord, let me be rooted and grounded in your love. Lord, give me the supernatural might in my inner being that I'd truly come to know you dwelling in my heart through faith. That I'd be rooted and established in love. Lord, that I'd have power to comprehend the height, the depth, the width and the breadth, the love of God that passes knowledge. That I'd be filled up to overflowing. I prayed it believing he'd do it. And I tell you what, he began. Hallelujah. And he has never stopped. He continues to overwhelm me with his love and that perfect love casts out fear and he then wants to bring us into the place where we become bold as lions as we recognize I've been made righteous I'm clean I'm not righteous because of how well I've behaved I'm righteous because he says so I'm new in him this is who I am but then the scripture goes on and he says in in as we read here in Matthew that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And you know what? If you don't love yourself very much, I don't have much hope for your neighbors. If you're loving your neighbor as you love yourself and you're critical and judgmental and harsh on yourself and always giving yourself a hard time, you're going to be giving everybody else a hard time. No matter how hard you try, what's in your heart's going to come out. So the Lord is really interested in helping you love yourself like he loves you. And uh, Aussies have a bit of a hard time with that. You know, we give each other a hard time, oh, they love themselves. As though it's a bad thing. You know, God's not saying, talking about being arrogant. God wants to bring you to a place where you so... Uh, recognize his love for you that you begin to believe it and you allow yourself to really love yourself with the love that he has for you and and 
people get afraid. They think, oh, well, I'd become arrogant or I'd, 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 I'd get lazy and I wouldn't be holy. I tell you, if you actually love yourself, you instead of feeding yourself on rubbish, you'll be seeking that which is really good for you. What your spirit really craves. As you allow the Holy Spirit to love you and you love you well, instead of just feeding on rubbish, you're going to be feeding on the good things of God. Hallelujah. You're no longer going to be wanting to uh, abuse your body. You're not going to be wanting to, um, you know, settle for, for, for less than what is awesome, what is satisfying, truly satisfying. Ho, oh, you are thirst. Why do you spend your money on what is not bread? When he delights to satisfy us with the richest affair, he wants to satisfy us with his love. Hallelujah. And if you learn to love yourself, then instead of interacting with people in a way that makes you want to go and get from them what you need, you can be overflowing and freely giving. You know, when you meet people who are insecure or who don't love themselves, they're looking to you to try and fill that need. If you, um, if you think that ministry is going to make you feel better about yourself, I feel really sorry for the people that are going to minister, you're going to minister to. If you need affirmation, and I love affirmation. It's lovely. I like encouragement. I love words of affirmation. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate that. But if I rely on that, then I'm going to go up and down in my... In my uh, state. I need to be anchored on the rock. And I tell you, I don't have to learn to live without affirmation. There is so much affirmation that God has for me that he says, you can't even physically handle it. You better pray for help. There is so much affirmation God wants to pour on you that he wants to overwhelm you with his great love. He wants to teach you how to receive it. And it's in our wilderness seasons that we actually learn what it is to receive the love of God. And to allow it to become, to allow ourselves to receive it to the place where we become whole. And you start viewing yourself as he views you. Because if you see yourself as, as he sees you, you'll be able to say like Peter and John at the gate, beautiful, such as I have, give I thee. You'll be able to say like, like John said, he'd call himself the beloved all the way through the scriptures. The one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. Hallelujah. You'll get happy for the people you're about to meet. When, when you go to work in the morning, you'll be excited for the people at your work because you're walking in the room and you'll think this is a good day for them because I'm here. But if you're walking in needy and, oh, I need some encouragement or I feel terrible or I hate being here. Whatever you're focused on is what you reflect. But if you're focused on him and he is looking at you, he's telling you, you're altogether lovely. I love you. You're so beautiful. You're patient. You're kind. You're strong. You're full of the spirit of God. And you walk in having had your face in the mirror of God, you will reflect him and you will be shining. And you will walk in with a holy boldness that says, I am so excited for what's going to happen today. And I'm not excited for what's, not just about what's going to happen for me. I'm excited for the people that are going to meet me. Because I actually believe that Christ in me, the hope of glory, has a plan to bless people today. He gives you a supernatural power to be able to love those who curse you. Do you know that sometimes people say nasty things even about me? 
go figure. (laughs) And I used to think, I want to write back to them and tell them that that's not true. You know, these people have never met me and make nasty things, write nasty things about me, never even seen me. And I I was like, come on, I I should write to them and tell them that's not true and that's not fair. And and Tom looks at me and says, and then I'll look at him sometimes and say, are you going to do it? You sort it out. Why don't you sort them out? And he'll, he'll smile at me and he'll say, would you like me to take care of it or would you prefer God did? Sometimes I say both. And he says it doesn't really work that way. And you know, that's the truth though. When, when you actually learn to love yourself and you live in a place where you love God and you love yourself, you're no longer worried about what people think because the fear of man has been displaced by the perfect love of God. In fact, you can come to the place where you feel really sorry for people that are against you. Because the Bible says, he who contends with me contends with him. He says, whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. So I have to pray for people who do and say nasty things. Because, like, seriously, you're treading on scary water there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With a confidence that knows God's making this work out for my good. So I just need to pray for you. I can have love for my enemies. And this is what God wants to do for us. This is what he was trying to teach Jonah in this season. That I love people much more than you could ever understand. But there is access to grace. That I have given you a grace to be able to come up into the mind of Christ and see people as I see them. Hallelujah. So no matter who it is, if you've got a family member that's a bit annoying... If you've got a boss or somebody that's annoying you, instead of sort of thinking you have to tolerate them, there is a grace available to you to be able to see them as God sees them. Because you're seated in heavenly places. Hallelujah. You have access to the perspective of God. You have access to love that will cast out all fear and so satisfy you that you've got to just have to give it away. Overflowing with the love of Christ. You don't have to try and find it. You just need to go and get it. It's on tap, available. Just open your mouth. He'll fill you. Oh, God, give me love for them. Give me forgiveness. He says, just come here. Come here. Open your mouth. Lift up your face. Come on, I dare you to look at me for a little while. Can you look at me longer? much, too much. Come on, pray for supernatural strength that you can handle it. And he keeps telling you, you're so loving, you're so patient, you're so kind. Ah, yes, I am. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you. You are beautiful. Hallelujah. <laughs> Wonderful, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Father, we say thank you for your mercy today. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lavish your love on people. Father, I'm asking that you would so saturate us, Jesus. And if if you're sitting here today and you know in your heart that you are not walking with God, you're not in relationship with him, I want to pray for you today. I'm going to get um, Pastor Chris and Sarah to come and pray with me in just a minute. We're going to pray for some 
people as the Lord leads. But before we do that, I want to just ask, if you're here and you know that you are not walking with God, I want to give you that opportunity today to respond to his mercy. You know, God gave us a free will to respond to Jesus. He, he is love and true love is free. But that requires us then to have, make a choice. We don't get saved by accident. We get saved by putting our faith in, in what Jesus has done and by exchanging our lives for his life. Hallelujah. But it happens as, a, as an act of our will because if it's not freely given, then it's not true love. And God is love. So today, if you know in your heart you are not walking with God and you want to respond to his mercy, you want to surrender to him today and say, yes, Lord, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Would you wave your hand at me and I will see it. I want to pray for you. Yes, God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. I see that. Uh, God bless you. Who else here would say, yes, I want to respond to the mercy of God? Thank you. I see your hand. It's so beautiful. Anybody else over here? I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Yes, God bless you. You know what? Your father's heart celebrates over you. Is anybody else that says, yes, it's me. I want to pray. I want to surrender my life to God today. I want to come into relationship with him. Anybody else here? Just wave your hand at me and I'll see you. Hallelujah. That's so beautiful. Yes, God bless you. That's so precious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to pray for some people in just a moment. But before we do that, if you raised your hand, I'd just love to pray with you right now. Could you come? Would you give them a hand as they come? There's just a, a few of you here. Come on out. I want to pray with you. Come on. That's so beautiful. Come on out. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Come on. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. That's beautiful. God bless you. bless you come on that's so lovely can I just have some of our team come and stand around them just come a little bit closer we're going to pray for you so beautiful hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus would you just pray this after me just pray this prayer Father God I believe you sent your son Jesus to die in my place to be punished for me I believe that Jesus was the Son of God and that He rose again. Right now, Lord, I surrender my life to You. Forgive me for all of my sin. I receive Your mercy. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to know your love in ever-increasing ways. Today I declare, old things are passed away. And now I am new by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, we celebrate with you over these precious ones. And Father, we speak the blessing of God over their hearts. Lord, over their minds. Lord, as they lie down and as they get up, Lord, let them know your great love. Father, I thank you for your son, Lord, who you love, who you've known since before he was born. Lord, I thank you that you care so deeply about him. 
Father, I ask, Lord, that you would seal him with your blood. Lord, that you bless him indeed. Father, I thank you for your touch. Lord, bless them, Father. Bless them indeed. Reach your hands out. Come on, pray for them. Lord, that all through the week they would know and experience your presence, Lord. That they would truly and deeply know and experience your great love for them. Lord, I thank you for your blessing. Come on, church. You know how to pray. Lord, I pray that throughout the week, Lord, that you would speak to them, that you'd keep them. Lord, that the seeds of love, Lord, your seeds of your word would not be stolen, but that they would take root and find good ground. Lord, I bless them in Jesus' name. Let them be rooted, anchored, and established in your love. Lord, I thank you. Spirit of God, this is your doing. Let your love be shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. If you could follow um, Pastor Clem, where are you? Hallelujah. Just follow. um, Actually, Pastor Wayne, do you want to take them out the back here? Uh, We're just going to give you a Bible. We want to get your name. That'd be wonderful. Hallelujah.